0: Good morning. I know that over the next five weeks, if that's going to be our bumper, that some of you are just going to be uncontainable. So let me just give you permission. If you know that song, rap along, man, have a little fun. You know, Some of you are like, do I bob with this? Am I yeah, you do. Yeah, you can smile. Have some fun. It's Will Smith, you know. So, Hey, it's a good morning. And I don't know if it's because the sun's out or everybody slept in a little bit extra, but it feels like it's spring. And so can we all take a deep breath and just... Take in this moment and be thankful for what God's doing and the beauty of its creation. And uh, it's just a gorgeous day to be a part of the church. So we are in this new series called Free Swim. And we last service just had a blast. I think we're going to have a blast. Uh, but this idea of free swim is pretty simple. That we, we we want people to jump in, everybody to be a part of what God's trying to do, and be in this swimming experience. And as we get ready for summertime, there's a, a lot that we want to prepare for as we get ready to swim, to go on vacation, to enjoy the beach, the local pool, whatever it may be. We want to uh, we want to kind of set our minds around that. And I don't know what your swimming experiences have been like, but we we always want to have a great ex- swimming experience. And oftentimes when you go to a pool, there's kind of three different kind of environments. One is the, um, you go into the pool and there's just a sign off to the side, no lifeguard on duty, but it gives you all the rules, right? And those swimming experiences last for about, um, about 10 minutes and then somebody's kid gets in the pool that nobody's watching, right? And they begin to splash your kid and you get upset and you want to drown them. I mean, baptize them in the middle of the experience, you know, and you know, you're, you, 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 it's, it's just out, chaos out of control. A great swimming experience has a lifeguard on duty with an understanding of some guidelines, some rules that help make that swimming experience. But there's nothing worse than going to a swimming experience where your lifeguard kind of thinks he's like dirty hairy. You know, he's got the sign, he's got the rules in the hand, he's got the whistle, and all he wants to do is be like, go ahead, make my day. He wants to bust somebody and kick him out of the pool. And I don't know uh, what your spring break was like, but we got some footage of a family of ours that went on spring break and had a terrible swimming experience, and we just wanted to share it with you today. Watch this clip. water on myself. On my of course face. you were, sir. Then the other guy's doing it. Then the other guy. Next thing you know, a body goes under and there's bloated carcass stuck in the filter. So if you don't mind. I, but I'm the only guy in this jacuzzi right now. I am on watch, sir. I cannot have this conversation right now. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's okay. <laughs> Nothing ruins a great swimming experience like a lifeguard that just feels like he's in charge, you know, that he has to control everything. And uh, it's it's encouraging for us to look at that and laugh because that's kind of what happens in our Christian walk, even within our, the churches ourselves. That sometimes we can we can get to a point that we forget the freedom that God has invited us to. And ultimately, somehow we start bringing rules and regulations and all sorts of traditions and and all sorts of uh, man-made things back to the table and saying, no, this is really what it's got to be about. And what happens is we go from from being able to be a lifeguard to help encourage and, and give people the opportunity to swim freely. We become policemen and start trying to police everything that happens in Christians' lives or even in the church that we're a part of. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up to Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to look at a book over the next few weeks that we're going to kind of journey through together. And we're going to invite you to be a part of this journey in a couple of different ways. But we're starting in Galatians chapter 1, and we're being reminded of a book that was written in about A.D. 50, just a, a couple of decades after Jesus has been crucified, buried, and rose again. And so this is, this is very fresh in the early church we're going to begin to see some conflicts, some issues that begin to arise, that begin to pull the church apart. And the guy who's writing this, Paul, has an incredible transformation with Jesus. He has a one-on-one encounter with Jesus, and he realizes that he has been this kind of person in the past, and now he's trying to invite other Christians to live in the freedom, the grace that God's given us, but also holding on to the truth that God calls us to live in in foundation. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Paul says this. Grace and peace to you from uh, God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is trying to invite people in people in to listen and to understand, and he begins to declare this this understanding that he has, that what he's here to do is to remind us of why we all gather, to remind us why we all have given our lives to Christ, to remind us why Jesus is the center focus of our faith and of our lives. And it's because Jesus has been our rescuer, that the world that we're a part of, the evil that we experience, the sin that entangles us, we needed rescue. And Jesus came in on our behalf, paid our price, paid for our death, gave us the forgiveness of our sins, and gives us life everlasting. And that gift is for everyone. We're going to use a phrase throughout this series that uh, sometimes can, can be thrown around in a little bit of a church dynamic. We, we hope that it's kind of an encouraging di- dynamic for you, but it's this idea of the word, the gospel. And every time you hear the word, the gospel, we want you to also think the good news. So the good news and the gospel, they are, they are synonymous. They are the same. But when we're talking about the gospel, we are referring specifically to the good news that Jesus Christ came, being God in flesh, was crucified, buried, and rose again. And because of that, it has become the payment for our our sin, the forgiveness of our sin, and given us the power over death, giving us everlasting life. It's good news that should be shared to all people. The challenge becomes that even in Galatians, what happens uh, in, in our world is happening in their world. And sometimes, once we fall in love with Christ, sometimes we... We go other directions with the gospel. We make it the gospel plus. We add things to this idea that Jesus is our rescuer. And here's what we need to understand when we jump into this series that the gospel is an invitation to all, not a condition for some. That the gospel is an invitation to all, not a condition for some. Meaning we look at the gospel understanding that Jesus Christ has given his life and that all of humanity, God is drawing all of humanity back to him. It's not based on the amount of money that's in your wallet. It's not the na- based on the, the name on the back of your jersey. It's not based on the, your gender or your political affiliation or how many years you've been a part of a local church. It is because Christ gave himself. The will of the Father was that all of humanity would be invited to this invitation, this free swim. But unfortunately, what happens is as people sometimes mature, sometimes they revert back to old ways. They start going back to old traditions, old teaching, old understanding of what truth is. And they start putting the emphasis back on the past, the ceremony, the rite, the tradition, the way it used to be, rather than keeping the emphasis forward forward on the movement of what God is now fulfilling and leading us towards, the mission of the gospel begins to drift. And when mission drift happens, a people rift often appears. A schism, friction, conflict, and us versus them, uh, something other than how do we reach as many people for the gospel and grow them into the likeness of Jesus? That happens. It happened in, in Paul's day, It happens in our day. And people war and way war over this, not uh, through true war, but through arguments and conflicts and schemes. And we tear each other apart and we forget that Jesus is, Jesus is the gospel that he gave of himself, paid our price. And because of him, we are invited into a relationship with God. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter one, starting in verse six. Paul is already talking about how this has been revealed to him from God. This is not some some teaching a man, some tradition that he's experienced. Here's what it says. Verse six I am astonished. I am astonished that you so quickly, you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace, the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Now listen to the words that Paul begins to describe out of his shocked nature which is really no gospel at all. all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. And if saying it wasn't shocking enough, he says this, as we have already said, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what is accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I, if I were still trying to please people, I would not, I could not be a servant of Christ. Paul's trying to lay a foundation of the gospel here that gives a clear tension of what's trying to happen. See, the gospel is intended for all people, but it comes from a Jewish tradition. And so what was beginning to play out in Galatia and other areas, other areas of the early church, was this idea that you must be Jewish before you become Christian. Well, that's an interesting dynamic for those of us that are Gentile, because the majority of us would be considered Gentiles. Now we'll talk about what the real tension is over. But you begin to hear Paul begin to describe, he is pumping the brakes. He is trying to tell people the direction this church is heading is not good. It's not what it's about. It's drifting from where we're intended to go. And nothing we can add can make the gift, the grace, the sacrifice of Jesus any better. But what's happening is people are asking people to, to conform to a tradition, to perform, conform to a ceremony or an old way of doing things. But Paul is trying to invite us all to realize that God has always intended that we be one family. No matter our political background, ethnic heritage, color of our skin, the money in our wallet, whatever it is, we were all intended to be a part of one family. So Paul says things like, I'm shocked, I'm astonished. We're perverting, we're distorting what this is all really about. And we see wrong gospels show up just in subtle ways in our, in our world on a regular basis. Maybe, maybe a, a more liberal gospel is this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're just loving and a good person. That's not really what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that we needed saved, that we needed a savior. Or, or a very stingy gospel is, well, if you believe the right things, have all the right behaviors, God might just save you. Well, that's we're not saved by what we do. or We can't work hard enough to get our relationship right with God. And so we must understand that the gospel is given to us. The good news is essential to understand that it is Christ, it is Jesus, and him alone that creates this invitation, that provides the opportunity for us to be in a relationship with God. That Jesus alone is enough for us to begin to enter that relationship with Jesus Christ, with, with God and to live a life with him. Look what verse 6 says. It reminds us that God has called us. God has always been searching for humanity, inviting us to this opportunity. Paul is reminding us that it's specifically the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus that rescued us and made that payment. What's so incredibly different... What differentiates and makes the gospel so revolutionary is the idea that Jesus jumps in to rescue us. God puts himself in our place as the payment for our sin. God takes our role. The things that were, that were ours to be blamed for, God takes on himself and substitutes himself for that sacrifice. And all of this, all of this was the intention and the will of God that humanity would be invited into a loving relationship with him through the payment, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because we could not pay it on our own. We could not be good enough on our own. So what's the conflict? Some of us are saying, well, what's the tradition? What's, what's the challenge? What's the big deal about becoming Jewish before you become, uh, be, if you're Gentile, what's the big deal about becoming Jewish before you become Christian? Now, let me, let me put this into to practical terms and I hope that you can understand this, maybe even see the humor of this situation. There are grown men and grown women in a room and there are Jewish men that bear a mark that reminds them why they're Jewish and there are Gentile men that do not bear a mark That reminds them that they're Gentile. And it was all based over a covenant early in Scripture that was founded on the mark of circumcision. You hearing what I'm saying? So imagine your wife brings you to this local church. It's a young church plant. They're excited about all the new things that God's doing. And they're like, hey, this, this message of Jesus is different than what we've heard. It's, it's, we've, we've heard about God in the past, but now it's being fulfilled in new ways. And so he's sitting there with his wife. And somebody gets up and says, well, really, before you can become Christian, before you can be who God wants you to become, you need to be circumcised. A grown man circumcised and he's sitting with his wife and he's like, "Um, um, I don't think this is the church for us, right? (laughs) Do you see the humor of that? Do you see the understanding of that? And this was not just an issue in Galatia. It's an issue that's going on in several churches. Matter of fact, the book of Acts talks about it and they actually get in a tug of war, a conversation, a battle about, no, it's gotta be this way. It's gotta be that way. It's gotta be this way. And finally they come to an agreement. They come to an agreement that there are some traditions, some ceremonies, some ways of doing things in the past that probably are fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection. And we should not be pointing backwards, but we should be moving forward with where God is taking us. And so you find in the book of Acts this this interesting verse. It's kind of a declaration, a statement that they make about how should we engage all people. They say it this way in Acts 15 verse 9. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Yeah, I'm for that, right? And so I just need you to know we we we're, that, that's not, that that is so what we're about. We don't want to make it difficult. We don't want to add rules, regulations, traditions, man-made entities, systems of our world to keep people away from the gospel but you know sometimes that that insider language shows up true believers and new believers we start talking about things about those who really understand those who really get those who are really committed what god's inviting us towards is to live in this paradox of grace and truth see there's a paradox that we all have which is both grace and and truth. Most of us see grace and truth on kind of a on kind of a continuum. There are some moments in life where we just need to extend a little more grace. There are some moments in life that we need to stand on a little more truth. And the reality is, is what God is calling us is to be both fully gracious and fully truthful. To live in the full embodiment of what it means to live a life like Jesus. Why? Because one without the other, it, it, it makes things completely not only unbalanced, but it heads towards a completely different gospel. I mean, for instance, when we, didn't, when we didn't know Christ, okay, we lived with the understanding in this paradox, no truth and no grace, right? We lived a life that was, had no truth and no grace. And it enabled a very poor behavior. It was rebellious. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we live a life that's built fully on truth, but no grace, we become extreme. Legalism begins to go rampant within the church. We begin to make it about the rules, the regulations, the insiders, the people who have been here the longest, whatever it is. But we start qualifying who's really following after God because you don't sin as bad as other people do or you're not a part of that situation. Grace, though, full grace with no truth, creates an excessive behavior where we live like hell and we hope for heaven, right? Oh, God will pick up the bill. Don't worry about it, right? That's not living in full truth or full grace. But when we learn to live in full grace and full truth, we become equipped. We become prepared to live out the reality of Christ in every circumstance and every situation. As Paul's trying to invite people into this family of God, we need to understand that we should live confidently in the truth of Jesus and have the courage to live freely because of Jesus. We should also live each day uh, in a way that encourages others to find confidence in Jesus and have the freedom to follow. That's why we're talking about a free swim. Everybody should be invited into this experience, and we want to make it contagious for others to jump in as well. So why does this matter? I mean, why is this such a a big deal? Because we're certainly not calling people to what the Galatian church was calling people to. We're trying to be a church that invites people to Christ and Christ alone. Here's what we need to understand, that a distortion of the gospel destroys the gospel. When we make our relationship with God, uh, the involvement in the local church, when we start making it about rules, regulations, skin color, orientation, when we start making all sorts of limiting rules about who can come and belong, we start excluding and destroying the very power of the gospel that's alive. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's as relevant today as it was then. It's empowering. It's life-giving. And because of that, the passion of the gospel demands we prioritize the gospel. The passion of the gospel demands we prioritize the gospel. And as a church, we have to be the ones waving the banner that everyone gets in the pool. Everyone's invited. We should have a bias towards those who live in a rebellious lifestyle, who are far from God. We should be engaging them in the world that they're a part of. They should know that they're welcome. Whether they're a skeptic, a doubter, a hater of God, we should be the ones to wave the banner that everybody's invited to swim and the water is fine, right? We should. We talk about this sometimes as a church, as kind of a, a swimming experience. We use this swimming idea as a, a metaphor for our Christian walk or a metaphor for our, our worship experience. That oftentimes there are three kinds of people that are uh, coming into a relationship with Christ or even coming into a worship experience like this. People, people who are maybe interested in what God might be like. Maybe they went through something tragic in their life. Maybe they've just been asking questions, but they're interested. They just want to get their toe in the water. They just want to get in and swim. But you know what's so terrible about people that, who just want to put their toe in the water? Have you ever, had, you ever tried to teach your children how to swim? You ever been at that pool where little Johnny or little Susie was, you know, they got all their floaties on, they're ready to jump in, and you're about ready to catch them. And somebody's kid who's not being watched starts splashing water and scares, frightens, upsets your child, right? You have been there? Yeah, I wanted to kill him too. So you get in that moment and you wrestle with, How do I get my child to want to get back in the water when somebody made it all about, well, he's not wearing the right suit. Well, he didn't dress in the nicest suit to be here. Well, we don't let people like you swim in this environment, right? It kills it. And people that should naturally find swimming irresistible, turn away from it and never touch it. There are people that want to be involved in swimming, they're at least willing to get in and maybe put their head underwater, but their ability to swim is more of a dog paddle. They don't really quite know, and maybe they get a little bit of floundering and they find their way through it a little bit. But what God is trying to invite us into is to grow into a fully invested swimming experience, to go as far as we can, to jump in as deeply as he might invite us. But here's here's what happens. The swimming experience has to be protected It has to have mature swimmers who are prepared to train other swimmers and to protect the swimming experience. And so when you think about this as the Christian walk, for those of us that have been in the church, we have grown in our faith, we have to begin to ask our questions like, what swimmers are we raising up? Who's swimming with us? Where do we want to be in a few years as we grow in our swimming experience? Because as we mature as we grow in our swimming experience, we will eventually become, hopefully, lifeguards, key people who can recognize what the swimming experience should be, and can recognize those who have no clue about what swimming's about and those who can swim and figuring out how to prioritize that they can all get in the pool together. When I was, uh, when I was in about in middle school, I lived in a small town that had a pool, and, and, and I always wanted the pool to be open from like eight in the morning to eight at night but it was always closed in the mornings. It would open for a season in the afternoon and then it would open back up in the evening. But do you know what they did in the mornings? In the mornings, all the lifeguards were in the water teaching other people how to swim, all different variations. They're in there investing their lives, growing, helping those who have no clue about what swimming's about, learning the simple things about even how to float, how to begin to paddle, How to begin to swim in a way that they can keep managing their breath in the midst of these waves, taking people further out than what they've been before. And then they would also, before that, you know what they did? The lifeguards were there earlier getting their laps in, getting their own training in, so that they could be the best swimmer in the environment. So that they could help train. So they could help develop. As a Christ follower, we we are excited about when people put their toe in the water. We need to be. We, We need to be excited when people learn how to swim. We need to be excited when people learn how to dive into the deep end. But we are remiss when we forget to reach out to those who are learning and those who are swimming and working with us together that everybody learns how to swim. Everyone learns how to grow. Everyone learns how to be the best swimmer that they can be. And so what happens sometimes in Christian environments, Christian lifestyles, some people just go into an end by themselves and they exclude others. They make it hard for people to get into the area that they're a part of. And Paul says, you know what? You are making it difficult for anybody to want to come by your pool. You're making it hard. So why does Galatians matter to us? Circumcision represented so much more in the day that they were a part of more than just being a physical surgery that would be a terrible thing to endure, endure as a grown man. It was a rite of passage. It was a tradition of faith. It was a ceremony. And it was a declaration of a priority of ethnicity. And Paul's trying to say, no, that does not belong in the gospel of Jesus. They're trying to create exclusive VIP status, super spiritual status, and it can show up even in our pool. Let me give you some examples. Sometimes we say that everybody's welcome at a church, but the truth of the matter is if you have a wife and a kid, you're actually more welcome. So maybe you're divorced, maybe you're single, or maybe you don't have kids, and you start feeling like, what Do do I really matter? Am I really... Churches today, birds of a feather flock together. They tend to be represented by one ethnicity. And yet our community isn't. We go to a big box retail area, we go, to a, we go to a store, we go to a restaurant, we go to our schools, and every tribe, tongue, and nation is represented. Birds of a feather flock together. Paul would say, if we don't look like our community, we've, we've maybe been a little too exclusive. We say things like, Jesus transcends politics. But the truth of the matter is, if you have a differing political view than me, we, we, we kind of say there are certain issues, there are certain uh, groups that are more Christian than other. And overall experience, people say, well, we got to give our best to God. And so it shapes into being, you have to be the best dressed into the room. Or we start scoring things like basic Bible knowledge. If you know this, but don't know this, if you know all the books of the Bible forward and backwards, if you name all the 12 disciples, if you can uh, name the replacement of the one that died, if you can you start making all, if, then maybe you finally belong here. And here's what Paul is saying. You don't have to be in to be in. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know as much as some people do. You... you, you, you actually don't even have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God to come and walk with us. People ask questions. People need a place to ask questions because people who don't know how to swim should not go to the basketball court to learn it. They should be invited into the very experience that teaches it, right? And when people begin to learn how to swim, and they learn how to teach their friends to swim, well, the pool becomes a magical place. We were those people, and we can never forget that. We need to understand that we can belong before we begin to behave. And we need to realize that when we begin to belong, we we will begin to believe things and understand things and know things that we didn't know before. And we'll begin to behave. We'll begin to become more like Jesus. And then when we become more like Jesus, our behavior is gonna begin to shift and we're gonna invite others to be a part of that experience. And so the question about this series is, would you like to see everybody get in the pool? Do you have a heart that wants to see anyone and everyone, regardless of their ethnicity, the money in their wallet, the name on their jersey, their political affiliation, their orientation? Do you want to see a church that gets everyone in the pool and allows the lifeguard, Jesus himself, teach Us how to swim I'll be honest with you friends the most rigid pools have the cleanest water the most well maintained areas but you know what often doesn't fit there me yeah And the church can't be that place. It needs to be messy. It needs to embrace more people. And it needs to love even when it doesn't feel like love. So let's move. Let's move to our time of response. Every week we move to kind of a general time of response or a specific time of response. And I want to ask some specific things of you today. For the next five weeks, we're going to unpack this idea of what it means to meet people where they are and to grow in the full likeness of Jesus. And we're going to hit on some issues that are going to be uncomfortable. We're going to talk about some things that our world would rather find us segregated over, fighting over, that we need to begin to confront. One of the ways that we want to empower our church is in the back of your program, or in the the back of your chair, there is a bookmark. I want every one of you to take it out. I want you to take that bookmark home and I want you to engage with us every Monday through Thursday. We have a devotional process that we're going to go through. You're going to read a scripture. You're going to unpack a couple questions and you're going to focus on that. Now, whether you choose to do your devotion in the morning or in the evening or in the middle of your lunch hour, I want to encourage and invite every one of you to join us on Facebook. Because at noon every week, or every day, Monday through Thursday, one of our staff is going to share a thought from that devotional, something that they were wrestling with, something that they're thinking about, something that's applicable to that passage. And if you're not used to doing devotions, which is literally just a time devoted to pursuing God, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through personal meditation, whether it's through the reading of scripture, we want to invite you to experience what we all are inviting everyone into is to learn how to take that next step. What does it mean to prioritize some of the portion of your life in pursuing God? It'll take a few minutes. Just take your time, read it, pray over it, think over it, and then join us at noon on Facebook. But we also want you to be a part of a community. And so we have a mid-sized group that's actually launching this Wednesday night. A mid-sized group is for people who are not in groups that simply want to jump in and begin to be a part of a faith community to begin to ask questions, pray with each other, but begin to journey together with our church. And so maybe you're not connected with a group at all right now. We would love for you to come this Wednesday night. The information's in your program. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. You can even sign up if you want Um through your connection card. But the truth of the matter is, the next five, six weeks are going to be intentional about confronting the very issues that isolate us and conforming to the very issues of Jesus that bring us together. That's who we want to be. I would be remiss to say this. As much as we want you to do the devotion and as much as we want you to be in a group, we also want you to be here every week. You're going to hear stories from some of our friends. You're going to hear some of the battles and struggles that our friends go through. And you're going to hear what's at stake when the gospel is distorted or broken or pulled away from the life-giving freedom that it has. So today, we're going to respond now, generally like we do every Sunday, we respond by giving our tithes and offerings through the response boxes. We respond by coming forward in prayer and pausing before God. We respond by coming to the tables where we were reminded the bread and the juice it repre- represents the broken body of Jesus and his shed blood. And as we consume that bread and as we drink that juice, we put the cup in the middle and we just we say thank you back to God. We're gonna stand. Why don't we do so now? We're gonna begin to sing a song. Many of us are going to spontaneously respond, but specifically, specifically, I would encourage each and every one of you. If you've yet to put your toe in the water, put your toe in the water this weekend. If you've put your toe in the water and you've yet to begin to learn how to swim, get get into a group, begin to begin to grow with us in this process. But if you if you've been swimming with us for a while, and you don't have anybody behind you or anyone in front of you that's leading you somewhere, you need to get connected. Swimming is an incredible gift. And the freedom, the freedom to swim openly and invite others to be a part of it is one of the greatest joys in the Christian walk. May we be great swimmers. And may we create an environment where everybody wants to get in and know God. Let's see.